Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. You know, sometimes in our content, which is designed to be helpful in many different areas, you know, we're called Exacoach Radio, but sometimes we come across people that we need to hear what they have to say and their expertise with regards to another area, and that today we're going to talk about real estate, and in particular, we're going to talk about multifamily real estate. Now, it's really about how you manage these assets and uh, you need to understand what some of those trends are. So we have, uh, fortunately with us today, Julie Blank of Point Blank Consulting. And we're going to talk about increasing multifamily profitability and value. Now, Point Blank Consulting uh, provides advisory and management services to investors, developers, owners, and operators of multifamily assets. So we're going to talk about this today, and uh, I'm going to bring Julie on the line right now. Julie, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, uh, this is a topic that um, a lot of people probably don't get to hear about, and it it really is important that people understand this is about managing your asset because... A lot of people, I think, think of real estate as a, I hear it called passive a lot, but it's it's anything but when you're when you're really in the business of having assets, right? There's a, I've heard it also said that you earn every penny when you own real estate. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got into this line of work, Julie, and just give us the 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 high points of, of what brought you to this point. Absolutely. Well, here's what I typically say: I'm I'm an accountant by trade, but not by personality. I graduated with my accounting degree and obtained my CPA while still in college. I then put in about three grueling years with Arthur Anderson, one of the big six public accounting firms at that time, and then decided I needed to find something that matched my personality better. Around that same time, I was looking to relocate from Ohio to Arizona and decided it'd be a good opportunity for me to switch careers. So after a few months of looking for something different and discovering that no one would hire a CPA to do anything other than accounting, I decided I just needed to get a job, but was lucky enough to land an opportunity as a property accountant with a multifamily property management company. So I was, I was truly blessed because I was able to work within all the different segments within the industry through this company. So development, acquisition, operations, asset management, and accounting. I was with them for about six years. It really set a foundation for me to build on within this industry, the multifamily industry, and I built on that for the next 10 years or so. 
I've been about 17 years now in the multifamily industry and worked for some of the larger owner-operated and third-party management companies. And this allowed me to gain experience and knowledge that helped round me out so I could step out and be an advisor for other owners, operators, investors, and developers within the industry. So with my accounting background and operation background, it really provides great value and depth to my clients. Well, they say there are no mistakes in life. So the, the accounting degree, it sounds like, gave you a nice platform of information and education to work from. In the real estate business, uh, there is a lot of numbers to push, right? A lot of things to look at. Oh, absolutely. And I truly do believe that that's what has opened up a lot of doors for me in my career, even before starting my business. But I do believe that has been very instrumental in, in me being successful in my business over the last couple of years when I started it. What do you think are the biggest challenges or changes or trends in multifamily moving forward based on what you've seen in the past? Ooh, well, I think technology will continue to, to change the landscape of multifamily in all areas of the industry. It, it's already had a significant impact over the last several years, but as is true with technology, it's continuously improving and inventing itself in any industry. And this places a challenge upon multifamily parties in both a financial and knowledge-based sense to be able to afford and to understand the technology that the residents, the prospects, the employees, and the investors are seeking and those technology um, programs that will impact the cash flow as well. To name a few trends impacted by technology in the industry is even on development and value add assets through unit and common area smart upgrades and features. Secondly, marketing and advertising through mobile apps resident portals, social media, even reputation management. Third would be financially uh, through analytics by optimizing the availability and maximizing revenue growth. And then, you know, operationally through streamlining process and procedure efficiencies. And these are all the areas that technology has already touched upon and will continue to touch upon and, again, in improving itself and inventing itself over and over. Yeah, it's interesting. When, when you first said technology, I thought, yeah, I can, I can understand the analytics side of it. But then as you were talking about the, the tenant experience and what they're coming to expect uh, and, of course, how you attract and retain tenants these days. We were talking to a real estate uh, guy the other day, uh, and he said by the time they hit a property to, to look at it, they've already looked at it from several different angles on the Internet and different types of pictures, and they, they know a lot about what they are looking for and what they're not looking for. How are multifamily groups creating more smart home atmosphere when they're thinking about their technology plan? Minimum, meaning also most affordable in the beginning because the technology as it gets greater obviously gets can get more expensive too but a lot of it's going to be with your your marketing and your communication vehicles that you use quite frankly no one renters or prospects want to really communicate with management anymore they want to be able to do everything by their phone so as you mentioned that's looking for an apartment all the way through applying for the apartment paying for their rent every month putting in work orders. So really being able to provide the, the basic technology to have them communicate back and forth and be able to collect the rent, call it online, you know, through credit cards and ACH. Truly the, the, the need to have big leasing offices and club rooms and stuff really 
isn't as necessary because they don't want to come to the office and have to do any kind of transaction. I mean, most of us, I mean, look at it, they don't even want to come to the office and pick up packages anymore. You know, so we have all these parcel packing package systems that are out there because they don't want to be bothered by communicating with people. Um, so that, that would be, I'd say, the, the initial start is, you know, having internet listing services to advertise all the way up to being able to accept their rent online and communicate through text messaging and, of course, email messaging and resident portals. So all the conveniences that we're, we're all coming to expect where, where we, we think, you know, what I don't want is to get into a long conversation with somebody. I just don't have time. I just want to, you know, tell me what you need to tell me and let me take care of that. But also you, you, you mentioned the, the space usage and um, how, how what was your big sales office might now be more of a, what would they do with that space? What are people looking for? Are they looking for community in, in spaces like that? Sure, they are. You know, they're looking for more communal spaces. And some of that space is going to be taken up by these Amazon locker-type systems, you know, for the residential community. Also, you know, doing community events, being able to really bring people out of their units and into the, the common spaces to build that sense of community. So doing, um, you know, regular community events and fitness classes. They really also want, like, a hospitality-like experience. So having concierge service type services available for residents is also what they're looking for. Having someone come pick up and drop off their dry cleaning, car wash services. These are truly things that a lot of the residents are looking for these days because, as, as you mentioned, it's, it's that convenience factor. You know, we don't want to be bothered by it anymore, and we don't have to because we can do everything on our phones, right? We have an app for that. So that's, that's where it's really shifting and a lot of these new developments, because they are obviously new developments, have the opportunity to create these spaces. It's the existing product that we'll call mm -hmm. the, the value-add products that are having to retrofit their properties in order to accommodate what the demands are and the existing and future needs. Right, right. But it's the competition for the, for the future tenant. Uh, it's, it's so important. And then on the, uh, of course, whatever you can do to use technology to evaluate your financials because it's going to be all about squeezing out more profits, especially with some of the changes that are coming up, uh, which is a nice segue to, to uh, asking you what operations challenges do you foresee uh, in this year and beyond? I think we'll continue to be challenged truly with employee recruiting and retention. With the increase in the new development deals uh, coupled with the low unemployment rate that we're experiencing, you know, statewide and, and nationwide, competition for the best-in-class property management associates has become fierce. And to overcome this, we have to shift our mindset to look at human capital as an investment in the assets, similar to the way we do other value-add components that we're talking about, just like with technology or these other amenities. Because payroll is one of the highest operating expense line items that typically gets trimmed. And not just the fat, but truly down to the bone. Therefore, we, we need to protect the human capital needs and be more strategic with the compensation and the package and reflect the benefit as an investment through the increased revenue and performance metrics that you get from investing in human capital. And, and really look at it as the return on the investment of a qualified best-in-class associate increases the return on the investment 
and certainly more than makes up for the increase in the payroll expense. But I've, I've truly seen a challenge over the last couple of years with really finding high-level, best-in-class associates to, to oversee these projects. And truly, it's not going to matter what investments you put into the project or the way you scrub through your income or expenses if you don't have the right people in place to execute it. Is that a common complaint that a tenant might have that, you know, I love this space, but the employees there just were terrible. They treated me poorly. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in our industry, there's two two big factors of it. It truly is a sales industry and a service industry. And I'm talking about, obviously, a, you know, some of the larger products, assets. But it's really about that customer service, and it starts at the sales. And so when we were speaking earlier about the prospects typically make a decision on where they're going to rent before they get to the property because they've already done all the research and everything possible is online, even, even postings and reputations online. So by the time they get to the property, it's about – when you walk in, how does it make me feel and how am I treated? And there's so many other options out there mm-hmm. that if we don't mm-hmm. have the right customer service to bring them in and to retain them, they can easily move on. Yeah, I can imagine if most developments would put a lot of effort into creating a friendly website, but if you get to the property and you're not greeted in a friendly way or you just feel like, wow, these it makes me feel like I'm intruding on these people, then, you know, that's going to be, that's potentially going to be their home. They want to feel like that's part of their extended family. So it's really important that the the right personnel greet them in the right way and take care of things as they, you know, as they say they will promptly and that it's easy to communicate. I can imagine that uh, is right on the right on the money that that's going to be a really important and continue to be a really important trend as people look for their new home. I consistently witness the lack of focus on technology and human capital. And all the companies that I've been engaged with over the last two to three years, that's really what I see as the common denominator. If companies today do not dedicate time to these two critical components, they will sacrifice that peak performance. They will be leaving money on the table. There will be less cash flow to obtain and they'll continue to struggle and the properties can can really be operated more like a roller coaster. That's what happens. So if if they're not focusing on the technology and the human capital piece, there will be a sacrifice in the performance. So Julie, let me ask you a question. You work as a consultant for multifamily companies that want to to do better and they realize they want to do better. When they call you and you walk onto the property, what are some of the key things that you look for uh, as you you walk into a new situation? I look at both the operations and um, the financial side of it because they both tell me a story. From the operational side of it, I'm looking at the, let's call it the curb appeal, you know, in the physical sense, you know, what does the property look like? What's the first impression? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's a class A to a class D property. Everyone wants to live in a nice community, a clean community. It's like when we go and stay at a hotel, right? At the end of the day, it could be a five star, but if your room is dirty, it doesn't matter. So it's really about walking onto a property and, and feeling that sense of pride through the owner, landlord, or management company. So that's, that's going to be an easy first component. The other component is going to be the, the people side of it. And, you know, how are, what's the customer service like? What's the sales like? And, you know, looking at all those different components there as well as the people side and, the, and what the product looks like. The financial side is, is where I really look at the revenue 
and expense side of it and the revenue side of it being on the rent side. You know, are we competitive in the marketplace? Being able to truly understand what is the competition. A lot of times when you buy a property, you're during the, the sales process, you're kind of given, oh, these are your five comps. Well, those comps might be different than what the true comps are when you're, when you're running it every day. So really being able to understand who are you sharing traffic with, who are you losing prospects and residents to, are we priced right? And then once you get your rents right, then looking at what are other ways that we can increase our income, you know, through pet rent, through um, increasing our application fees, through doing some, some valet trash service. There's all different ways we can also scrub through it to increase our income. My focus is always more on the income side than it is the expense side. Because as I mentioned earlier, you can cut your expenses to a point where you're at bare bones. And then what? So really it is about looking at your income and being able to to make sure that we are um, optimizing that. And going back to technology, it's looking at these rent optimization um, programs that really ensure that you're getting the most bang for your buck as it relates to rent growth as well as occupancy. Now, speaking to that, as I understand it, and we're, we're on the Internet, so we're, we're all over the country, but uh, in California, we're looking at rent control, right, coming up. Is that, can, you, can you talk a little bit to that? You know, I, yes and no. I think it's, a, it's an extremely um, uh, sensitive topic. And one that's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it truly does impact our our industry. And it's going to be also depending on, on metro and location. I think there's going to be a change in who's investing in deals. You know, there's a lot of people that right now are, are figuring out exit strategies in case it moves in that direction and there's more rent control. You know, it's, there's definitely a housing problem. I mean, there's, there's going to be a, a shortage of housing in general, whether or not there is a rent control that's put in place uh, more globally. I mean, we're looking by 2030, they said that we're looking to need another 4.6 million new apartments because our population is going to grow to just under 32 million by 2030. That's only 12 years away. So we have the affordability problem, but we have a supply problem. And I think that we might be saying rent control is one way to solve the affordability problem, but I'm concerned if that's really the right solution to our, our long-term problem that we have here. And, you know, affordability is only one of the obstacles that we have in, in providing the demand or the supply for the demand. I mean, we've got construction obstacles as well. Some of our metros are so difficult to add new apartments to that, you know, like San Diego, Los Angeles, Riverside, they're in the top 12 of the most difficult metros to even add supply. And, you know, we've got aging communities we need to deal with because they're aging. We need capital improvements and value adds. There's a lot of different components that go into, you know, trying to provide the supply, not just the affordability. Yeah, I guess what what I was getting at with that is that it's going to be even more important to have someone like you to be looking at the operation and tightening things to to continue continue to create that that desirable atmosphere so that you're competitive and full, fully leased, and looking at your financial side of things to make sure you're projecting into the future properly uh, with these these potential constraints coming up in the future. So there's a lot for people to think about and 
certainly if uh, you're looking for a certain type of, uh, of property holder, tell us what you're looking for in terms of work engagements. My client profile is small to medium-sized companies located anywhere in, in the United States from five hundred to about 5,000 units, uh, owner-operated, third-party, some are institutional, privately held, or um, high net worth individuals. And the property class, you know, I've anywhere from class A to, to class C, D properties, you know, that and that to me is really more about going back to what the, the issue is for the client. So I've also worked for uh, universities. I've really had a, a varied um, level of, of clients, but I'd say probably 70% of my clients fall into that small to medium size between 500 and 5,000 units. So if we're, if we're reaching the ears of anybody that uh, meets that criteria, the, what's the best way for somebody to make initial contact with you? Through my website, which is pointblankconsulting.net. I'm also on LinkedIn, which has my information on there as well. So those would be the, the two best ways to, uh, to get in touch with me for sure. And let me tell you, listeners, you won't find a nicer person to talk with um, and I'm sure, Julie, you would you'd be happy to talk with anybody who wants to get in touch and just uh, explain their situation, and you can tell them whether you can be of help or not. I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's Julie Blank, Point Blank Consulting, and please uh, get in touch, www.pointblankconsulting.net. And Julie, thanks so much. It was, a, it was a pleasure talking with you. I learned a lot, took a bunch of notes here, and I hope our listeners did too, and I hope they'll get in touch with you uh, and I look forward to the time uh, that we speak next. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Take care. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 